0: Okay, hi, Matt. Hey, Spencer, how you doing? I'm good, how's everything?
1: Uh, it's it's going fine, you know, all things considered. Great to hear you.
0: Uh, same here. Um, I'm really excited to talk about what I think is a just landmark piece in Foreign Affairs that you wrote about the legacy of the War on Terror and what it continues to be long after the Elite foreign policy class has yeah. gotten tired of playing nine eleven warrior.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad they published it. I'm glad to to get some of these ideas out ideas out there as I, I've mentioned um, uh, just on Twitter today and, and previously. I mean, your work has been really formative in this as well. I think you've been one of the folks who've been who've been chasing this story down for a very long time. So uh, great to chat with you about it. Definitely
0: same. Um, so why don't uh, we go through? Uh, the main points of your piece, and and really, what's the main argument you're hoping to get across to people?
1: Sure, I mean the the main argument is just that that we need those of us who who think and talk and make U.S. foreign policy really need to reckon with the costs and consequences of nearly twenty years of the war on terror. Um, these consequences have been disastrous. For the for, for the Middle East region for the world frankly in terms of destabilization um, of that region hundreds of thousands of people killed millions made refugees deepening sectarian conflict the entrenchment of repressive regimes um, and you know we see the impact in in Europe in terms of, of migrant flows and the way that's contributed to kind of a, a xenophobic politics and we also see it here in our own country um, not not only in terms of, of the politics, but the way that we've allowed our civil liberties to be eroded in terms of surveillance, detention, stigmatization and suspicion towards non-white populations, particularly Muslim and Arab citizens. Um, but also, as we saw very starkly over the past few months, the militarization of our own cities as police responded to civil rights protests with all this surplus military gear and and, and overly violent repressive tactics that that inflamed the protests rather than de-escalated them. Um, you know, I think the the war on terror, as I as I talk about in the piece, was seen by a lot of Washington interventionists, um, both conservative and liberal, as a kind of unifying national project to underpin benevolent global hegemony. That's a term that was was raised by the authors of uh, um, uh, Bill Kristol and Robert Kagan back in the nineteen ninety six article in Foreign Affairs. Um, but I think we've seen, as as I argue, that you know. The kind of xenophobic discourse required to sustain this project has corroded our politics um, and contributed very clearly to, you know, the movement and and that produced Donald Trump. Um, And the movement continues to support him. So I argue that we really need to confront all of this and not simply move on to imagine that we can return to normalcy, but think through how these last 20 years of war have changed us, Um, you know, because there's always going to be some new global conflict on offer in Washington as, you know, the new unifying national project, whether it's China or Russia. I guess what I'm saying is that we just need to step back and choose a different way For the United States to conduct itself in the world, one that commits to a set of ideals and values, but doesn't seek to implement those ideas and values at the barrel of a gun.
0: I, you know, think that's, you know, a brilliant uh, vision and an astute critique of what brought it to this point.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and and as I said, I mean, your your reporting has you know has contributed to my thinking, our conversations, um, and and, and the work you've been doing for a long time. So I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear some of what you've been thinking about. You know, I know you're working on your book. I cannot wait to, to for it to be released. Um, I know a lot of people feel that way, but just talk about your perspective, on you know what we're seeing now and how the last twenty years and more got us here.
0: Uh, thanks very much. So yeah, uh, next uh, May, this coming May, uh, I'm going to publish a book called uh, Reign of Terror about how the 9-11 era destabilizes America and makes Trump possible. And you brought up the consequences of the war on terror, not only something you know far reaching over there, but In fact, they are over here. And what I'll be talking about in the book and and arguing through a kind of narrative history over the last 20 years is that the war on terror has been fueled by a nativist politics that it empowers. Trump is just a lagging indicator of this. He's our politics' demonstration that uh, the forces that so corrode uh, American politics and American power... Um, become ultimately uh, susceptible to a Trump-like figure. Um, there is no contradiction between Trump and the war on terror, regardless of whatever antipathy he expresses toward it, because ultimately the same politics fuel him in it. You're just pointing it at different directions. He might, you know, recognize that no one wants the Afghanistan war anymore, but they very much want the apparatus of repression aimed at their political enemies in order to ensure the kind of advantage uh, that, that they were able to pursue in other contexts. And so what we're seeing on the streets of America right now is something that's basically you know, an American governed by the coalition provisional authority uh, from Baghdad.
1: Right, well, we're coming to the end of the conversation. I think-